Good evening. Uh, in the book of Philippians, uh, Paul says in chapter 3, verse 1, he writes, To write the same thing again is no trouble for me. Uh, he's saying it's not tedious, it's not grievous, and it's a safeguard for you. And so this evening, what we're going to do is we're going to do a lesson on baptism and really the, just the fundamentals of baptism. You know, what does the Bible say about baptism? And we want to uh, concentrate on a few verses uh, this evening, uh, things that you have you heard uh, probably uh, the preacher or you've read or you've studied before. Uh, but why do we need to revisit fundamentals from time to time? You know, most believe in this uh, those that believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, they teach and practice baptism, but they believe baptism is something that one ought to do, not necessarily that it's a requirement for salvation. And so th their conclusion is that baptism uh, is important, but it's not essential uh, to salvation. And so the purpose of this lesson this evening is to look at those scriptures and, and indeed um, narrow down as to what the Bible says about baptism. Uh, Dale Carnegie, who, who is a, an author and um, inspiration uh, person, uh, once said, a speaker who does not know the purpose and mission of his talk is doomed to fail. And so as individuals, as New Testament Christians, we need to know what the Bible says about baptism and what we can you know, show others and help teach others as well. And so we're going to be looking at a lot of scriptures this evening. And so it might be handy if you have a pencil and paper to write these down. Maybe this is something that you can put in the back of your Bible uh, to go to as a reference. I, I've done that as well. And uh, we want to understand again what the Bible says so that we can effectively discuss that with our friends and neighbors to give a defense for what we believe in as what the, the Bible prescribes. And so, again, we're going to look at a few things uh, this, this evening. And that, uh, number one, that biblical baptism is immersion in water. Uh, the person who is biblically baptized is immersed in water, and that's indicated by the, the Greek word uh, baptizo that we have transliterated for us the word baptism. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but uh, at the time when the Bible was translated into English, there was not an equivalent word uh, for baptism. And so uh, what the, the Bible translators did is they created this new word, uh, baptism. And so the idea of this word in the original language, if we were to go all the way back to the first century, it means to dip, to submerge, or to immerse. And notice as we look through these scriptures in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, Paul here writes, uh, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father... So we too might walk in newness of life. And if you'll notice uh, up on the, 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 the board, there's some words that are going to be underlined in red. Uh, that is uh, my um, uh, trying to bold those words for you to, ch to have them come out. This is not in the inspired text, but this is just simply me trying to point to the words that I'm, I'm trying to get through. And here in Romans 6, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, We have been buried with him through baptism. Uh, the act of baptism, we go, we are immersed, we are buried, we are reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Colossians 2, verse 12, very similar. Paul writes, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him 
from the dead. And so we've noticed in both these verses that Paul describes baptism as a burial, an immersion. And from these verses that teach baptism as a burial, we must conclude that anything else is not biblical baptism. We know that the religious world practices things such as sprinkling of water and pouring of water upon the head and refer to that as baptism. Uh, But that's not the case uh, that we see in Scripture. A couple of other accounts in Scripture. In Acts chapter 8, we have the account of the Ethiopian eunuch. And we're familiar with this as the Ethiopian eunuch is is traveling uh, and he's studying the Scriptures. He's reading from Isaiah and he really doesn't understand. And Philip the evangelist comes up and meets him in this divine encounter that God has planned, and he preaches to him Jesus, the Bible says. And after his studies, after this lesson is over, the Ethiopian eunuch says to Philip, look, water, what hinders me from being baptized? Well, something in that lesson that the preacher gave to the eunuch, by preaching him Jesus, he understood that in order to be saved, he needed to be baptized. And so as we see in Acts chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, it reads this, And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. And so again, we see that this word baptism, biblical baptism, means an immersion in water, that they went down into the water and they came up out of the water. Well, some may say, well, does it really matter? Does it really matter that, that whether we pour or sprinkle or we are immersed in water? Well, if we were to look at a passage in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 14, verses 15 and 16, this, this passage is not specifically speaking about the practice of baptism, but this is a good uh, verse for us to understand that there were different words uh, used. Uh, when the Bible was translated from the Hebrew into the Greek, and this would have been the, the translation Jesus would have used called the Septuagint, or the Septuagint, uh, they would have translated this into the Greek language. And notice what it says here in Leviticus 14, verses 15 and 16. The priest shall also take some of the the log of oil and pour it into his left palm. The priest shall then dip his right hand finger into the oil that is in his left palm and with his finger sprinkle some of the oil seven times before the Lord. We notice that within these passages, we see the word pour and dip and sprinkle. And if we were to look up uh, that in its uh, original language, there's three different words. Each word has its own uh, word, clarifying for us that these were different actions. This is not the same uh, actions. And so uh, what we first want to notice is that biblical baptism is an immersion in water. Next, we want to notice that biblical baptism is action taken by a penitent believer. According to the scripture, the proper candidate for baptism is one who believes the gospel, that he, re- he repents of his sins, and he confesses that Jesus uh, Christ is the Son of God. And that in order to do that, the individual, the candidate, must be mentally capable and mature enough to understand and embrace the gospel. And therefore, uh, again, we know that those in the religious world practice baptizing uh, babies. 
Okay, the baptize babies, but again, that is without biblical authority or or example or divine approval. Well, individuals will go to such scriptures as in Acts chapter sixteen when when uh, when when it talks about households uh, being baptized, and they'll say such as in the case of Lydia in Acts chapter sixteen or the the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter sixteen. And they'll say, well, look, the Bible says here that their whole households were baptized. Well, first, if we're going to take that, meaning that a baby was baptized in those accounts, we need to assume that infants were present within the household, which the text does not tell us that. And then we also have to assume that they, they were baptized. But, uh, the, but we see that within these scriptures, uh, that, that the individuals there within these households, they were taught what to do. That, that were told that they believed and that they were baptized and that they rejoiced. And again, these are actions that babies just cannot do. And so this also seems consistent with Jesus' instructions on the Great Commission to, to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize those who have been made disciples. Again, disciples are those who are learners. And babies just can't do that. And so as we see within uh, the Holy Scriptures, biblical baptism is action taken by the penitent believer. We also want to notice that biblical baptism is done in the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, what does it mean to do something in the name of Jesus? To do something in the name of Jesus is to do that which he has authorized, in the manner which he has authorized, for the reasons that he has given. He directed the baptism to be in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Again, this is the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Again, giving them direction to do this by the authority of, by the authority of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 22, verse 16, Paul's conversion story, Paul is told, Now why do you delay? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Again, to call on his name is an acceptance of all that Christ is. It's not simply praying, but it's a call to action. We notice here in verse 22, 16, that the equivalent of calling on his name is getting up and being baptized. And if we understood anyone within Scripture who, have, who could have been saved by the sinner's prayer, was it not Paul? Uh, Paul, for three days, was, was blinded on the road to Damascus. The Bible says in Acts chapter 9 that he prayed fervently, that he was praying day and night uh, for, for, for um, this, this to go away. But if you remember that account, uh, Ananias came to him and Paul had to ask him, what must I do? Right? There was something that he had to do in order uh, to receive his sight again, in order to be saved. And as we see here in Acts 22, verse 16, rather than calling on his name, or excuse me, the, the phrase calling on his name is the equivalent here of getting up and being baptized. And so biblical baptism is done in the name of Jesus. Another fundamental we want to remind ourselves is that biblical baptism puts one into Christ and the church. Uh, that, that baptism is a requirement is further understood by recognizing that salvation 
is in Christ. Notice up here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, that Paul writes, For this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen, so that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. And of course, Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that all spiritual blessings are found in Christ. Here in 2 Timothy 2.10, we, we see that salvation is in Christ Jesus. Well, how does one get into Christ? How does one do that? Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27 gives us a hint. It says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Notice here that Paul says that at one time, um, or excuse me, for you are all sons of God through faith. At one time, you weren't a son of God. Uh, but now that you are a son of God through faith, you were baptized into Christ, and now you have clothed yourselves with Christ. And the passage that we looked at recently, uh, prior to this in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, notice it, it tells us the same thing. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? See, to get into Christ Jesus, one must be baptized into Christ. And when one by faith in Jesus is baptized, he is saved. Acts 2.38, again, uh, says that. And the Bible informs us that the Lord adds the saved to the church. And we can read about that in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 47. The, the last verse in Acts chapter 2, we're told that praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So baptism is the act that puts one into the church, puts one into Christ. Notice again, Paul saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, says, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For by one spirit, we have been baptized into one body. And of course, Jesus is the head of that body. And that body is the church, we're told in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Well, another fundamental uh, that, that we want to understand, and we'll spend a little bit more time on this one, is that biblical baptism is for the forgiveness of sins. Remember, most uh, of the believing world uh, does not believe that baptism is a requirement for salvation. Again, they believe that baptism is important, but again, not essential. And they contend that one must be baptized to obey God, but they believe that one is saved before they are baptized. And in light of these things, the connection uh, between baptism and the forgiveness of sins, we can't overemphasize it enough. Uh, biblical truth is that baptism is not something done after one is saved. Uh, there was a Bible I found once, and as I was looking into it, um, on the front cover, you know how usually we'll, we'll write some things on the front cover, such as you know, our names and dates. And within this Bible, I noticed that uh, this, this young girl, she had written in her Bible, saved on December 20th, 1988. But right underneath that, she wrote, baptized December 25th, 1988. And so what she's saying there is that she was saved before she was baptized. She was saved, and then five days later, she was baptized. But of course, again, as we look at these scripture after scripture, we're going to notice that there's a parallel between baptism and salvation. 
Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Again, we read this verse recently, but again, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And, and focus in on that prepositional phrase, for the forgiveness of your sins. Uh, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 28, which is also up here, this verse is not specifically talking about baptism, but, but it's got the same prepositional phrase both in English and Greek. And here Matthew writes, For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. Well, there's a lot of uh, debate uh, within, um, you know, within the religious realms that individuals will say, well, really what, Paul, or what Peter's saying there in Acts 2.38 is he's not saying for the forgiveness of sins, but because of the forgiveness of sins. And so they try to use that argument that uh, because of the forgiveness of sins, we should be baptized, not for the forgiveness of sins, but because of the forgiveness of sins. But if we were to use that same logic with Matthew 26, verse 28, we would be saying that Jesus died prior to uh, the forgiveness of sins. And so the purpose for which Jesus shed his blood and the purpose for which man is to be baptized, they're one in the same. They're one in the same. And Jesus shed his blood so that man could obtain the remission of sins. And likewise, the purpose of baptism is so that man can obtain the remission of sins. And as we go through the scriptures one after another, we can conclude logically that baptism is a command from God and that one must obey it in order to be saved. And one is not saved until he is baptized for that purpose. And let's look at a couple of other uh, scriptures as well. Again, we, we, we've noticed Acts 22 verse 16 a little bit, but let's focus on a different part of that verse where, where Paul is told, now why do you delay Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Paul's told to wash away his sins. That in order for him to have forgiveness of sins, he must wash them away by being baptized, it says here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, uh, Paul there is writing to the Corinthians, and he's cataloging a bunch of different lifestyles that, that they had once lived, uh, the, the people there at the church in Corinth. And he says this, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. And Paul says, at one time you were practicing these sins, but now you have been washed. Right? Your sins have been washed away, and at the, as a result, you are now sanctified. You are now justified. It's as if you... you it's just as if you've never sinned before, uh, that, that your sins have been washed away in, in this act of baptism. In 1 Peter three twenty one, the verse says here, corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And how much plainer can the scriptures make it uh, that Peter says, baptism now saves you. And he's equating this to Noah and his family. And when they got on the ark, they were saved by the water. And within the church, 
We're saved through the act of baptism as well, that we wash away our sins. And so a careful examination of these texts, and I know there's plenty of them, and we're going through them rather fast, but the conclusion that we are gaining here is that baptism is essential to salvation. Well, what does that mean uh, the, the, uh, of this work of baptism. Does that mean that we earn our salvation? Uh, many will say that baptism is a work, and so if we are saved by baptism, then we are saved by works. Uh, but the Bible, of course, teaches that we are saved by grace, not by works. And, and that, of course, it comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that says, By grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, at least that none of us uh, should be able to boast. And, and yes, Make no mistake about it. We do not and cannot earn our salvation. God owes us nothing. Salvation is absolutely by grace. However, that doesn't mean that our salvation is unconditional. And scripture clearly teaches that obedience is essential to salvation. And some verses that go along with this, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but it's he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. The Hebrews writer in Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. And then, of course, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 and 9. Uh, notice here that Paul writes, and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. See, when we obey the gospel, including our obedience to the command to be baptized, we do not earn our salvation. The work that we do in response to the promise of, or command of God is a work of, it's a work of righteousness. It's not a work of merit, which Ephesians chapter 2 is speaking of. The merit is in the Lord who commanded the work and in him whom we placed our trust as we obey him. None of us would conclude that repentance is not an act of faith. Right? Uh, we know that we must repent in order to be saved. None of us would uh, dare say that confession is not an act of faith. Uh, the Bible tells us that we must confess Jesus as Lord to be saved. And as in the same realm, baptism is also an act of faith to be saved. And the truth is that the grace of God is appropriated to us when we, trust, by trust in the Lord, do the works that God has commanded And so as we conclude this lesson this evening, maybe there's some helpful things that we can um, think about. Maybe there's some questions that we could talk to other individuals about. I'm going to list them up here on the board. Uh, And the correct biblical answer to each of these questions is going to be no. But as we uh, discuss baptism with with our friends and our family, um, being, you know, Excuse me, being required for for salvation. These are some questions that we can bring up. Uh, The first one, can one be saved without having his sins forgiven? And of course, that answer is no. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's a biblical fact that baptism is commanded in order to obtain the forgiveness of sins. We've seen this over and over again. 
The blood of Jesus is contacted through the act of baptism. When we are immersed in water, as Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4 tells us, we contact the blood of Jesus. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 says we are released by our we are released from our sins by his blood. Ephesians 2, verse 13 says we are brought near by the blood of Christ. And so in order for us to contact that blood, to have our sins forgiven, we must be baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. Well, can one be saved without being in Christ? And again, that answer is no. According to 2 Timothy 2, verse 10 that we just saw, and also it's a biblical fact that it is when one is baptized that he is in Christ. Again, Galatians chapter 3, 26 and 27 says that we are clothed with Christ at baptism. In Romans 6, verse 3, that when we are immersed in water, we are baptized into Christ Jesus. Well, can one be saved without being in the church? And again, the answer to that is no. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 says Christ is the head of the church and that he is the savior of the body. And again, it is a biblical fact that when one is baptized, that one is saved and added to the church. Uh, Not added to a church, but added to the church. And therefore, we conclude that baptism is a requirement for the one uh, to be saved and in the church. And then finally, can one be saved without obeying the gospel? And of course, again, when we look at Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 and 9, we can conclude that no, uh, that one must obey the gospel. It's a biblical fact that being baptized is a command of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we must, um, we must follow that. We, we must uh, reenact that death, burial, and resurrection. Therefore, we conclude that baptism is a requirement for one to be saved by the gospel. Well, certainly, you know, we didn't cover every single aspect uh, there is about baptism. But hopefully, uh, we have reminded ourselves of some of the fundamentals found in the New Testament. And you might be saying, well, you know, we speak of of baptism a lot in the church. And we do. Uh, I heard a preacher once say that he received an email one time from from somebody who says, "You, you know, you preach too much. On baptism, uh, you know, every time you give the invitation, you're, you're you're asking those to be baptized. Why do you do that? And he says, "Well, yes, I do do that because ninety percent of the world does not believe in biblical baptism. They don't believe that baptism is for the forgiveness of sins, and so I need to preach on it a lot. I need to talk on it." A lot, and, and and that would be the same case if it was about repentance or confession or believing in God. But as we, we um, conclude this lesson this evening, again, what Paul said that it's a safeguard for us to remind ourselves about these things from time to time, and, and that when we go out and when we talk to other individuals about baptism, that we understand, you know, what just what it means to be baptized. And so this evening, if you're here with us, and maybe you have not been baptized, and maybe this lesson has piqued your curiosity, maybe uh, you're wanting to study a little bit more about it, or maybe you're ready to be baptized and be added to his church. We would love the opportunity to, to help you with that in any way. Or if you're here as a Christian and you need the prayers of this congregation, maybe, maybe you're struggling with something, you need to ask for forgiveness, maybe you want to place membership with this congregation. Uh, we would love the opportunity to talk to you about that as well. As together we stand and sing this song of invitation.